welcome to the first edition of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast. I'm Guy Swarbrick and over the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking to figures from around the owners club and the wider Alfa Romeo community. In next week's episode we'll be talking to some competitors from the Alfa Romeo Owners Club Virtual Racing Championship. But for this first episode we're going to get to know the club's newest board member, David Faithful. Welcome David. Thank you. Hi. So we'll come to your role on the board in a moment, but um, this isn't your first role in the club, is it? Uh, no, no, I've been the uh, Mito Registrar for over three years now. Um, so that was kind of my baptism of fire, as it were. Um, yeah, so I've been one of the registrars. Um, I've met some of the board um, at events and, and gatherings and so on. I didn't really know the board, but um, yeah, I'd become familiar with uh, some of the members and certainly familiar with how the club operates and you, you kind of get to see that as a registrar. So you clearly love the Mito and you've thrown your heart and soul into developing a community around the car but the Mito wasn't your first Alpha either was it? No, no my first Alpha was a 1987 uh, Sprint Green Cloverleaf and I bought that in 89 so I was a trainee computer programmer and a colleague of mine had a beige sud, and I, and I, I don't remember seeing an Alfa, Romeo, uh, an Alfa Romeo in real life until that sud, and I kind of fell in love, and I spent the next year saving up, and, and yeah, got my first black sprint green cloverleaf. It was fabulous. Nerds must think alike, because I was a trainee systems analyst, and my first car was a sprint veloce. Yeah. Well, there you go, then. <laughs> so you're running one of the biggest, most active model registers in the club, and you decided to go motor racing. How did that come about? <laughs> yeah, it was, <clears throat> I mean, this was, um, it's been a passion of mine from a distance as an observer for a long time. And um, and I, I sort of started following the Alfa Romeo Championship a few years before, and I'd started to get more interested in it. I've always been passionate about motorsport, um, but never really involved in it. Um, and only really became you know, really interested in the Alfa Romeo Championship maybe four or five years ago. So a few years ago, I started looking at this um, concept of running a Mito in the championship. Um, and I I think maybe three years ago, went to Festival of Italia and, and spent a lot of time in the pits or in the paddocks um, where I hadn't really been before. So it was just, it was just a really good feeling being in the paddocks and being in the hubbub of everything that was going on. And I did sort of want to be a part of it. I didn't want to drive. I'm a rubbish driver. Um, but conveniently, I, I have a friend of mine, Ben Sharich, who, who is a driver. Um, and I'd got to know Davey Petty, who um, uh, he's based in Scotland, but he is the only other person to have ever raced a Mito um, in the championship as well. He did one season, I think, in 2014. So, um, so yeah, I sort of I came up with this idea we should be running a Mito, or at least a more modern car that's not a twin spark, a 147 or 156, and see how we got on. So, yeah, we spent months developing the car. Um, I had a really nice uh, grey uh, Mito QV, which I ruined, stripped out. Davey built a custom cage for it. We tuned it. We did everything that you could feasibly do within a, a reasonable budget, and we got the car on the track. In 2019 season, we did pretty well. It wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't an epic failure. Um, and truthfully, it was just it was just fabulous to see a Mito on the track. It was it was really really nice to see a Mito part of the championship, a non-twin spark 
that um, you know it turned heads. It got a lot of interest, and you know, running the Mito Register, the Mito owners loved seeing a Mito on the track. I think, and and it, and it don't, you know, it was a cool looking car on the track. It's sticking up nicely. It looks good. It performed okay. It was just a brilliant, fun year, and um, yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, these things are expensive, difficult, traumatic. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. It was a brilliant year. Uh, certainly, I, I don't think anybody who's seen the car would say you ruined it by, uh, <laughs> by stripping out and turning it into a race car. Okay, so we get to what, August, September last year. Um, the board opens nominations for new board members, and um, you've clearly got far too much time on your hands. So, <laughs> what on earth prompted you to volunteer to do something else? Yeah, it's <clears throat> well, so. I'll give you my answer. I'm not sure if this is the truth or if I've made this up in my head to justify doing it back then. But um, yeah, I just felt like I could contribute. You know, I think um, I've got a real passion for Alfa Romeo, a real passion for our club now. I didn't have that years ago. It's, it's kind of a recent thing. Um, and I just wanted to add value. I wanted to contribute, wanted to make a difference. I felt that I could. And, you know, truthfully, I did sort of figure that if I can't or if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. I'll still stay a member. I just step back awkwardly. Um, but, yeah, so far, I, I think I have been contributing and I think I have been adding bits of value, um, which truthfully is what any member of the board can do, isn't it? You can either be a sort of a, a sedentary observer or you can be proactive and roll your sleeves up and get involved. And that's what I've tried to do. Presumably, if you felt you had a contribution to make, there were areas that you either felt that the club wasn't doing things that it should have been doing or wasn't doing things as well as it could be. Um, yeah, I guess so. I think um, I certainly didn't go into it thinking the club's terrible. I must go in and, and fix these issues. I, I wasn't in, in that mindset, but I was probably as part of the registrar role, sort of conscious that the online world um is an area where we need to move forward on our technology broadly looks kind of the same as it did 10 years ago um and my experience with the register registrars are different from sections sections are kind of geographically focused so getting members of a section together is relatively easy but a register a register is all over the uk so it's, it's almost impossible to get your register together. So you have to think of new and innovative ways of doing that online. Um, and so the certainly first year of being a registrar, you know, I put a lot of effort into how can I make our members feel they're part of the register, even if they live 400, 500 miles away. And so, and so the only answer to that really is, is doing it online. So I did think there was space for improvement in our online world. Um, but yeah, I didn't go into it with a long list of, you know, um things that needed to be fixed i went into it with a very open mind and a view that i think i can probably contribute uh let's find some areas where i can add value and and uh and yeah so i've sort of ended up with doing bits of online but but i'm also involved in several other aspects as well so i'm not stuck in the in the nerdy corner so you joined the board around october november which was about the time the part service was suspended can you tell us a bit about what happened there? Uh, yeah, it was certainly an interesting time. Um, you've got to remember that we launched the part service 
um, specifically to obtain, retain and sell hard to find parts for Alfa Romeo so that members can keep the cars on the road. So <clears throat> in concept, brilliant idea. Um, and we invested quite a large sum of money in uh, new old stock parts and new parts that came from dealers who wanted to shift stock and from dealers who were closing and so on. So we, we started off with a, a concept that should work really well for members. And then we were sort of hit with a perfect storm, really, because around about that time, HMRC said, um, you're a not-for-profit business. You can't just be selling parts willy-nilly. Uh, you can only really sell parts to your members. Otherwise, you jeopardize your not-for-profit status. Um, and, and financially, that would be you know, disastrous for us. And then we, around about the same time, you've got to remember a, a big cost of, of running a part service is you've got thousands of parts, you've got to store them somewhere. So we were paying X about X amount a month on part storage. And then the parts um, storage facility doubled their prices overnight. So, so we were hit at the same time with a demand from HMRC that um, you can only sell to members at the same time as the storage facility doubled all of their pricing with no notice. And so we were faced with this awkward decision of, well, okay, we can change the model to only sell to members, but that will reduce the volume of sales, which is fine. We, we didn't go into it to make money. We went into it to have parts available for members in the future. But of course, the person running the, the part service, they were paid out of commission. So if we reduce the potential audience or customer base, they get paid less. How do we make this sustainable? How do we store the parts and, and still break even? So yeah, it was kind of this really weird situation where several things all happened at once and we were left in a position where we couldn't, we couldn't find a way of making the business uh, break even, let alone, you know, um, make any money. I mean, it, it, we was we was really risking a lot of money of members money um, by maintaining this, the, the service as it was. So we took the decision that it's a complicated thing. We can't risk um, falling out of favor with HMRC. Um, we can't leave the parts where they are because we couldn't afford the monthly run rate. And so we had to sort of postpone the part service, move the parts into a far more cost-effective place and we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and work out what to do. But, but whatever the solution is, you know, we need, we need something that's compliant with HMRC. We'll only be able to sell to paid up members. We're going to need someone to run it. And, and then how do you do that if it's uh, commission only and you're not selling that much? Um, so, yeah, there's a number of conflicting sort of uh, drivers and objectives with this. We're absolutely determined that it's a good idea. We should do it. We have invested in the parts. We need to make it work. We just haven't quite worked out um, what the solution is for it. And, and truthfully, we were going to um, agree the way forward a few weeks ago. And then, of course, we're in this strange worldwide situation at the moment. So it's just been paused at the moment. So, so yeah, awkward time to join. But equally, um, uh, like everything, you know, I think I contributed a bit to it um, in terms of it's the right decision to pause things at the moment because the worst case is we just hemorrhage a load of money and fall out of favour with HMRC and then that would just be disastrous. So you probably weren't expecting that when you joined. Is there anything else that surprised you in your first six months or so? I think in terms of 
what surprised me. So we wanted to do a uh, membership survey, which we did around Christmas. I have to be honest, I thought that might come back with most organisations, most companies, most clubs, you'll have 70% very satisfied because they're kind of happy to be part of something. And then, you know, there'll be 20 or 30% who are, you know, sticking around because they want to, but actually they'd rather you were better and so on. So I sort of expected more mixed reviews. Overwhelmingly, the uh, feedback was positive. And what, what, it, what it showed me was actually we're not, we're not rubbish at, at managing our club. We're pretty good. We've just sort of become a bit static. And, and those were the sorts of comments that came back on the survey. So I think in terms of, you know, was, was I surprised at other things? I think the survey was hugely positive. It showed us that we're doing okay, but we've got to push forward in some areas. Um, and I guess the only other surprise was that um, I suppose my perception of the board was um, they were very part-time and not fully engaged and what have you. And the reality is that most of the members of the board are kind of just like me. They're really, really proactive. They're really keen to keep on top of things. You know, people like John Timms, who's our, our finance director, you know, he knows where every single penny goes. And he's, you know, if I want to invest some money, you know, I've got to get past him. And that's, that's really difficult. So, um, you know, there are people who have... A, as much or more passion about Alfa Romeo and about our club than I have on the board. And, you know, I suppose, you know, I don't want to sound lame, but I was surprised at that. I sort of had an impression or a perception that maybe, you know, they'd got a bit tired and maybe they weren't fully engaged, but they were, you know, the, the board is passionate. They are engaged and they are acting and doing absolutely the best that they can. We, we're all doing the best we can um, for our members. You, just to pick up on the comment you made there about the finances, do you, do you think the club, generally speaking, spends money wisely? I mean, it's, it's membership fees that we're talking about here. Yeah, I think um, so. Generally, absolutely, yes. And um, I mentioned John Timms. I, I really get on with John because we look at things quite similarly. So, you know, if I want to spend a thousand pounds on something, um, we look at things in terms of what's the cost per member then so that might be that might cost 25p a member um, but if I want to spend £10,000 suddenly you're spending £2.50 per member which is a big chunk out of you know between 30 and £40 a year so um, I think we're actually very very careful with the money the flip side I suppose is sometimes I feel we're a bit too careful with the money. So there are some aspects, for example, our website where we should have invested in, in new and innovative technology on our website some years ago. Um, but there's a reticence to spend that money because it's members money and, and do our members really want us to spend that money in that area when we could be putting the money into a bigger and better event or a track day or something like that. So, so yeah, I think honestly, I think we're very, very, um, careful with spending our members' money. Um, the flip side of that is maybe we're a bit too careful, and maybe there are some areas and perhaps new innovations where we should have we should have invested a bit quicker, or or we certainly going forward should look at investing in those areas. Because you know, I'm a member, you're a member, the board, we're all members. I don't want 
my membership money wasted on things that I don't get direct value from. So as long as we're all thinking like that, then investments in the magazine or in sections or in our registers or in our online experience or, you know, all of those things do create a value proposition for our members. They're good investments. Um, and, you know, I, that's kind of the test that I, that I always put things through in my mind is, you know, I'm just a member. Do I want this? Do I want my money spent on this thing? And if I'm comfortable and if I'm happy, because I do care where my 40 quid goes, um, if I'm happy with it, then probably most members will be happy with it as well. So, so yeah, I think, I think we're careful, perhaps a bit too careful, um, but certainly uh, it's not for want of trying really, really hard to protect every penny of our members' contributions. And we talked a little bit about the survey, but but when it comes to that that question of would our members want us to do these things to spend this money in these ways, it, it's sometimes argued that the the board doesn't listen to the membership. Is is that was that your impression before you joined, and has that changed since? Yeah, truthfully, I suppose that was. Yeah, I think that was an impression I had, but you know, I think. I think we need to sort of differentiate between um, a, a sort of a general statement of does the board listen? And remember, the board is just a bunch of members. We're all just members. So it's, it's are these members listening to their fellow members? Uh, and I think generally we absolutely do. <clears throat> but we need to differentiate that from, you know, the shouty people on Facebook who have a specific grievance or a specific thing they're disgruntled about where they make a lot of noise and then the eight other disgruntled people make a lot of noise. And, 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 you know, that, that can sort of build and that perception can grow, particularly in the world of Facebook where, um, you know, if you just glance at Facebook once a week and, and you happen to see that post, you think we're idiots or we're rubbish. And I, and I just think that there's a real difference between um, the effort that we make and the amount of listening that we do um, on a day in day out basis versus the occasional mistake we'll make or the thing that we miss. And it's not that we're, we're sat in our, you know, ivory tower, not listening. It's, I have a business, I have a full-time job. I have a family. I have the Alfa Romeo owners club. I'm an admin on Facebook. I try and do stuff for members. I also enjoy my membership and go to events. I'm always looking on Facebook to see what people are saying and see what feedback is. I'm always referring back to the survey and we're looking at new initiatives and I feel I'm listening, but I'm listening for a few hours a week around my life. I'm not, you know, 15 hours a day listening to members trying to ensure that I've met the needs of everyone who wants to shout at me on Facebook. So I think it's just, uh, you know, the, the caution I'd say is I believe every member of the board and certainly I am, and I've no reason to believe anybody else isn't passionately listening, passionately trying to do what our members want. Um, but we're, we're still just members, you know, we're not, we're not magical, we're not um, paid. We don't have 10 hours free every day to ensure that we tackle every small thing. What we're trying to do is, is make sure that we're delivering value, that we're doing new and innovative themes, and and different things moving forward so our membership realize that there are other members acting on their behalf trying to do new and, and different stuff and and deliver value so you talked about online presence earlier and and we've just touched on facebook there so the, the club has a 
a significant presence on Facebook. Facebook's a, a significant part of our of our online uh, offer, online presence. So we've got the main club group, we've got register groups and pages, we've got section groups and pages. How's all of that coordinated? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, so <clears throat> Facebook's one of those uh, platforms that um, it starts off really well because you think this is really cool and oh look at the engagement and I can talk directly with members and, and I can meet friends and what have you. Um, <clears throat> and then you see the sort of darker side of Facebook which is um, wow he's really shouty and noisy and oh he's really angry at me for no apparent reason and 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 it, it creates um, you know or it has the has the potential to create something that you didn't set out to create in the first instance and I think Facebook's one of those things where <clears throat> we've tried to create you know we have our central owners club group and page and then we've we've spawned section groups and pages and set and register uh, groups and pages and overall it sort of works okay I think the uh, truthfully um, I think how we coordinate it we still need to work on there's just loads of us um, all trying to administer dozens of groups and pages um, and try and maintain a semblance of order and try and remain positive and encourage our members engagement and 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 uh, and so I think you know if it was one page or one group or if we had a business that was a shop and we just had to manage our shop you know that would be easy but we we've sort of we've tried to create an environment where we can proactively engage with everybody in our club and others thinking about joining our club through um, <clears throat> both generic and general Alfa Romeo stuff and through niche registers and, and local area sections and to keep on top of that is just hard work I think I haven't found a you know a magic bullet that, that solves Facebook yet but um, but be assured we are trying very hard um, to to continue that you know delivering some value giving members a platform allowing engagement and constructive discussion and so on and so forth whilst also trying to you know rein in some of the madness on occasion talking of reigning in the madness I mean, that the, there has been criticism over the last couple of months that the club can be a little bit heavy-handed in the way it moderates the, the facebook groups what's your thoughts on that uh well uh, it is really difficult and and i think as i said i think that um overwhelmingly the majority of people who engage on facebook are just normal people like us they like their alphas they like some alphas they dislike other alphas but you know we can bimble through facebook and we can scroll up and down and we can enjoy stuff and like stuff and occasionally love stuff um and some of us will share our pictures share our experiences um you know engage with other members and constructively comment and then there's just there, there's some who um just want to set the world on fire they they, they sort of want to go into um, one of the Arab groups and they want to be effing and jeffing and you know poo-pooing someone's modification or um, being snooty with someone who's, who's you know perhaps new to the alpha world and is asking a, a relatively basic question um, and it you know th finding this balance is almost impossible and maybe it is impossible and, and we're, we're never going to get there but you know if if, if, if our members or people who 
aren't members yet but might become members if they want to proactively contribute and be part of our community and be decent and care about how other people feel and and you know help others brilliant yeah let's do that but if you're going to come on and swear or if you're going to come on and be nasty to someone or if you're just going to be deliberately difficult then you know i don't really want you in the community so um it is a really difficult balance but you know the people we tend to uh, or the people whose posts we tend to delete they're either selling some rubbish or they're adding zero value or they're putting a picture of a you know a half naked woman in an alfa romeo bikini you know these are not necessarily the things that we want to be uh, promoted in our community you know there are there are some many ways that you can productively and 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 you know, friendly um engage with us and with all of our members on facebook but you know they know who they are if they're just going to be deliberately um difficult then you know we're going to delete your posts and if you're persistently difficult i'm just going to block you from the group and i make no apology for that and if and if they happen to be a member well i'm sorry but um you know it's not a right to be a member of a group that you're abusing or that you're being really you know difficult with people on or you're being nasty or you're um effing and jeffing so yeah it's it, it is a nightmare i'm quite sure that uh, i and the dozen or so other admins will continue to be um uh you know told that we're too heavy-handed or what have you but i swear to god some of the things i delete are unbelievable they genuinely are i would not want my family or friends of mine or members to see some of those things so i don't care if you know, if someone's a bit cross at me because I deleted a really vulgar post, that's fine. Um, and if that poster, you know, tries to do it consistently or persistently, then and I block that person and they get the ump, that's fine. Um, for me, I'm trying to contribute to an overall friendly, happy community um, with a shared passion and love for Alfa Romeo's. And, and you know, I'm, I'm doing my best, as are all the admins. We'll get it wrong sometimes. You know, if we get it wrong and you've got a good case, just message one of us, message one of the admins. Um, I, I and I know certainly the board members who are admins, we'll, we'll say sorry and we'll, we'll, we'll backtrack if, if you've got good evidence and we've just done the wrong decision. And we will do that sometimes. So I'd much rather people contact us and say, you've blocked me for no reason. And then we look at it, than, than then you know, post everywhere else saying, oh, Arok are really, snarky with their members blocking them that's not what we're trying to do we're trying to create harmony and we're going to cock it up sometimes and and that's kind of the reality of facebook i think one of the findings from the survey last year was that a lot of the members don't use facebook at all so what what alternatives does the club provide for them well we've so we have on our on our website we have our forum and you know the forum it's like a lot of these forums are fascinating things they you know our forum has hundreds of members who log on every so often you know once a fortnight or once a month um but they like logging in on occasion and then we have dozens of members who are on there every minute of every day um so the forum is one platform that there's members only so there's no non-members in there everyone in there is a member and so and, and so that is a sort of an alternative I do think going forward, we're going to have to find some other mechanism and maybe it's a, a super enhanced forum or something like that. But 
we need a members area on our website or through another platform where it's members only. And, you know, at the moment, the, one of the issues with Facebook is, uh, and I don't want you to think I hate Facebook. I don't, I love Facebook. But one of the issues with Facebook is we allow everybody on there. So um, we know half our members don't use Facebook. Um, and we know three quarters of the people in, in our Facebook groups aren't members anyway. So, so what we're actually doing is spending a lot of time and effort administering something that only a very small number of our actual members are using. So we do need to find some alternative platform, whether it's, whether it's members only groups on Facebook or whether it's members only areas on our website. I do think it's a gap at the moment because at the moment, <clears throat> you know, not all members like the concept of Facebook um, and not all members are on our forum or choose to use our forum. So there's, there is a gap and I do worry about, you know, there's a volume of members there who we don't really have online engagement with. And it could be some of those don't want to engage with us online. That's fine. Um, but I worry about those that, that you know, fallen through the cracks. What do you say to people who might accuse the club of being largely for, for older members and not interested in modified cars and those kind of things? I think the reality is most car clubs tend to have older men in them. Um, and some of that's just a historical thing because we joined them when we were younger and we're now older. Some of it is that, you know, younger people, you may have a car that you love. It may be an Alfa or another thing. Um, you may be living at home with parents or you're saving up for your first place or you're trying to get rent money together and so on and so forth. And, and you just don't have the, the time, money or space to collect a classic Alfa Romeo and so on. And then as you, as you go through your life, you go through your 20s and your 30s, you hopefully are able to rent or maybe even one day buy a property and then you're going to drive and then you might get a garage and then suddenly you've got some money and then you retire and, and then, you can, then you can suddenly afford a, an Alfa Sud or something. So I think it's a reflection of car clubs in general and it's also a reflection of levels of disposable income and so on i don't think we in fact i know we don't proactively go out and and, and only recruit older people um and i speak as a I, I mean i feel terrifically old now even if i'm not that old but um you know i'm at i'm at the point in my life where um i can feel i'm starting to dislike modifying cars and uh, you know so a few years, it was only a few years ago, I loved modifying cars and messing about with cars. And, and, you know, it doesn't seem that long ago when I was younger and I spent all my disposable income on modifications to cars. So I, <clears throat> I think it's a truism that we, well, I know from our survey and from our membership database that the overwhelming majority of all of our members are over the age of 45. That's, that's no secret and I wouldn't try and hide that. That does not mean that we don't encourage and want the younger generation to join our club. You know, if you've got a passion for alphas, modified or not, <clears throat> um, you should be a member of our club. Uh, you know, you just should be. And I think the more younger folk we get in the club and the more young people who are modifying their alphas are in the club, the better the club will become over time. But these things do take time. And I think, um, as I said earlier, I think over the last decade, when you think about our online presence hasn't really changed that much. We were also slow to get into Facebook and we're, and, and we're it feels to me like we're in catch up mode. So to some of us, um, the younger community, the modern community is like this alien um, uh, 
planet that we know exists, but we don't really want anything to do with because we don't really understand it. But I think the reality is all of those guys and girls are going to be the future of our club. And we do all get old someday. Um, and we do tend over time to stop modifying and, and start, um, you know, looking at concourse competitions for our cars. So um, I think there's a number of drivers for this. I don't think it's a deliberate thing. I think it's evolved over time. I think we probably should have made more effort over the last 10 years to attract the younger and, and attract the, modif the modifying community. Um, I don't think it's too late. I do want younger folk to, to join our club. I do want to see heavily modified Alfa Romeos um, in our club and, and at shows. I just, we just need to find that, that, you know, that way of encouraging the younger generation to come on board with us because we're not all old farties polishing our alpha suds. I happen to be one of those, but not deliberately. I was young once and I did modify cars once. I still love looking at modified alphas and other modified cars. So yeah, it's not a deliberate thing. Uh, it's something we do need to address, I guess. I'm not certain how, but um, I'm always, always delighted when a youngster joins the meter register and they've modified and lowered their meter and what you know they're looking after and loving their car that's that's all we want is for people to love Alfa Romeos and love their cars and if their way of expressing their love is to lower it to add stripes and so on and so forth we all did that years ago we just happen to be old now um, but the younger generation are going to be running this club in the coming years so we, we've got to be able to to be that broad church and, and accommodate them and welcome them with open arms. You talked earlier on about, you know, earlier in life, we haven't necessarily got the disposable income that we have later, which is, is one factor in the, the demographics. Some other clubs have, you know, multiple levels of membership, gold, silver, bronze membership, free memberships. Is that something that the club's looking at for the future? Um, truthfully, no, I think, um, I'm personally dead against that. I think, uh, and, and I'm happy to be proven wrong on this, but if you look at the other clubs that do that, what, what they're actually doing is trying to encourage more members. And the way they do that is they offer them something for free or something for five or a tenner or whatever, and it gets them in the door. And then they are relatively successful in trying to convert those um, free members into paid memberships. For me, where this doesn't work is, I believe all members should have the same fantastic value proposition and we should all have our brilliant magazine, which you edit exceptionally well. We need the same level of engagement on sections, on registers, on our online solutions. Um, we have fabulous partnerships, discount schemes and so on. I don't think there's space for a reduced level of benefit um, for a free entry level or a 10 quid membership or something. All of our members need to have the same thing. And I, I, I honestly, I believe that really passionately. Um, and I, I may be proved wrong, but um, I believe we've got to find the right balance where our membership fee is fair and, and the value that we deliver is multiples of that. You know, people need to feel that I've paid my 30 quid or my 40 quid um, but my God, this year I've had like hundreds of pounds worth of value because I did this event, I did that event, I went to that track day, I had this online thing, my, I went to 
a dozen meetings with my section a register put this thing on for us and the magazine's fantastic you know you can't deliver that level of value for free we all know you don't get anything for free so you know there is a cost of being a member but in return for that we all contribute a the same fee and in return everyone gets a huge list of benefits and that's my aim and that's where i think we should be i'm not really um i'm not a believer that offering differentiated levels of of cost with differentiated levels of benefit i don't think that's a good thing i think and maybe we'll maybe we'll lose members that way um but i, I don't see how we can justify a reduced level of benefits just to get them through the door for free or for a reduced price that doesn't make sense to me obviously things are, are difficult at the moment we're recording this remotely there are there are people locked in their homes there are people who are still having to go out to work and and support the rest of us but while we're in lockdown what's the club doing to support the members so we've we recognize very early on that we need to we need to do things differently. We need to behave differently. We need to offer um, more uh, engagement with members via our online platform. So there's a mixture of things. I think um, all of our sections uh, now have access to the Zoom conferencing. So ironically, we're here on Zoom recording this um, this podcast. But um, so all of our sections are able to now do uh, regular video call sessions with all of their members, and you don't need you know, a PC or a laptop, you can do it on a phone, you can do it on an iPad and uh, or what have you. So we're still trying to maintain the engagement with our members through, um, albeit virtual, but uh, video conferencing for all of the sections. We're also um, starting, I mean, things like this podcast, but also looking at doing virtual presentations. So lots of us have a lot of history and knowledge and insight into topics around Alfa Romeo, around um, our, our favourite models, around lots of relevant uh, subject matter that we can share with people. And this sort of thing typically happens, you know, if I happen to be in my local section, I could share it with my local section at a meeting. What we're looking at doing is um, doing those as more national broadcasts, we're videoing them so people can watch them after the event. And of course, we've got our virtual racing championship, which is, you know, we have to thank you for that because it was your bright idea. But, you know, these virtual racing is hugely popular and it's not for everybody, obviously. But the fact that we're doing online championships, online racing, online hot laps challenges, um, you know, this stuff is it's new to us, but it's really cool. So we're, we're doing a lot of these things like the Zoom, like the presentations, like the um, video calling, the podcast, the virtual racing. We should be doing this in the next 10 years as well. This isn't something that it's something that's come about because we're locked down, but it's not something that has to be limited to our lockdown. I think this is opening up a whole new world of our online experience that we hadn't really thought about, but is now becoming obvious that this stuff is genuinely adding value to members, regardless of whether we're in lockdown or not. Of course, it's a bit of a nightmare with no events, but that doesn't mean we can't engage on social media and, and engage on our own website and so on um, to keep up the momentum. You know, we've done things with the website to, you know, put up our photo galleries for the last couple of years and put videos on there on our YouTube channel. So again, I think we can be doing more 
um, it sort of caught us all by surprise. And I don't think we're alone in the car club community, but um, yeah, we're, we're very much doing our best. I think, I think what we're creating is um, a model that can work outside of lockdown as well. I think, I think we'll look back and we'll say, wow, that was, that was, you know, for all the wrong reasons was a great uh, introduction to how the Alfa Romeo Owners Club can become smarter online. So it looks as though we might be at or at least near the peak of this crisis. Is it too early for the club to start thinking about what might happen as the lockdown starts to ease? No, it's not too early. We are thinking about it. I think um, the issue we have today as we record this is we've got no clue what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. So um, we're certainly putting the thought to how we ease ourselves out of lockdown. Um, again, our area sections is kind of our, our sort of primary contact point with members. So um, how we start to re-engage is going to become very important. And I suspect, you know, I don't think pubs are going to open very quickly, um, but that doesn't mean we can't ease ourselves back into, you know, 15 members and their cars couldn't meet up in the Yorkshire Dales or couldn't meet up in on, on Dartmoor. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do that would meet the criteria, ensure we maintain um, uh, robust levels of distancing and still enjoy our cars and still have a chat with people, you know. So, so yes, we are thinking about it. I don't know, you know, when we're going to be back to normal. I think it's months and months before we're truly back to normal. Um, and towards the, you know, in the latter half of the year, if we can run events, we absolutely plan to. You know, postponing National Alpha Day was a nightmare for us for lots of reasons and for our members. Um, so if we can do an event or two before the end of the year, we absolutely will. Um, but I think we'll start um, re-engaging via the sections first and we'll do some trials in terms of how we can how we can get people to enjoy each other's company at a distance and each other's cars um, gradually over time and see how we get on. So my final question, um, if there were three things you could do to improve the club today, what would they be? Uh, that's that's tricky because um, it, it depends what you mean by improve the club. There's a hundred things I'd like to do to improve the club. And by that, I mean deliver more value to members. Um, I think we've, you know, we've done a lot recently. So we've tried to improve the website. Um, we've tried to improve our, our partnerships and discount schemes. Ironically, we, we did some fabulous partnerships with hotels and <laughs> cottages.com and things <laughs> completely went, went pear-shaped pretty quickly. So, um, but we're setting ourselves up for, for the next year or so. I think three things I'd like to do better. I think we've got to recruit more younger people. Um, we've got to get our online presence uh, better and smarter. And I really, and I know I'll be, um, you know, pushing against an open door here, but we've got to be able to expand on our magazine content. Um, you know, I know that if you, you put an article in the magazine, 10 photos and, you know, 3,000 words end up on the cutting room floor, we need to get that online. We've got to find a way of, not only, you know, just making the website better is interesting, but yeah, whatever. Um, it's all about content. If we can get more content to our members, so our magazine drops, and then they can look at the magazine. Once they've read the magazine, they can go online and see 
additional features, the bits that didn't make it into the magazine. You know, that's really powerful, I think, to members. So, so yeah, I think they're the, probably the three things. I don't know, I don't know um, how quickly we can do those things, but um, I am hugely passionate about all of those, all of the above. And you know, if, if I if I had to sort of commit to you, what would I spend the most energy on in the next twelve months? It will be those things. Brilliant. Well, thanks for taking the time this afternoon and um, good luck with the role. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, David. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast from the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. As I said earlier, next week we'll be interviewing some of the competitors from the Alfa Romeo Owners Club Virtual Racing Championship. So until then, stay safe.